What do you believe about media? No, no, th th let's, we'll get to our media in a second, but media in general. I mean, what is media? Media is simply transmitting information, isn't it? And so I want you to picture this situation. I want you to picture you and me. We live in a little village somewhere up in the mountains. We're not in the country. It's just our own little village up in the mountains. There's only about 100 of us we live there. And there was one guy in charge of gathering information from other tribes and from all the people in our tribe and making sure he gets a big gives a big announcement every day to the whole tribe so we all know what's going on. I mean, I would want to know, is this tribe really mad at us? They got some bows and arrows. They're coming to kill us all. Oh, this tribe says, uh, looks like there's about to be a flood. Everyone, I would want to know that information would be important, right? There's a murderer on the loose in our tribe. We need to know information. You need information. I need information. So please, tribe media guy, give it to me. But I want you to picture this. What if the guy in charge of handling that information and disseminating that information, what if he hated you and hated your tribe and hated everything you stand for and wanted it destroyed? How much damage could the disseminator of information, how much damage could he do to the tribe? I think you could make the argument he could destroy it completely. And I think you could make the argument where we are right now as a nation with a media that is wholly hostile to the nation, I think you can make an honest argument they are destroying the United States of America with the absolute disgusting falsehoods they push out there day after day you have how many of these media organizations are funded at least in part by the communist Chinese? Why do you think that is? Why would the communist Chinese fund so many American media organizations? Have you thought about that? I mean, look, right now, what's hot in the news? Kyle Rittenhouse stuff. Have you, have you really thought back to everything they said about Kyle Rittenhouse? You remember this? Kenosha shooter, Kyle Rittenhouse, he murdered two people, by the way. Rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter. He's a 17-year-old kid. He shouldn't have had a gun. He crossed state lines to supposedly protect property. No, he was going out to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> a guy who's deeply racist went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. All those things are lies. And as we stand here, they put that kid on trial. I mean, let's remember, these lies, they're what prompted the prosecution to bring charges, murder charges against that, uh, against that kid. These things have huge consequences. You remember the Steele dossier, right? I mean, let's, let's just again recap this, because I, I don't think we should gloss over this at all. The Hillary Clinton campaign got a hold of Christopher Steele, a foreign intelligence agent, and had him put together a 
book of dirt, basically, on Donald Trump. The Clinton campaign then took that Steele dossier and brought it to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who used it and took it down to the FISA court, acting like it was some kind of legal document, and got permission to spy on Donald Trump and his campaign. Everybody knew this at the time. I knew it. We talked about it all the time on the show. There were media sources all across the right saying, how could you do this? This is from Hillary Clinton. This is not legal. You're not allowed to do this. And you have organizations like the Washington Post. They went all in. Media organization after media organization went all in saying Donald Trump was a Russian agent. They knew it to be false. And yet they pushed that lie out there time and time again. And I ask you, how many Americans to this day, what percentage of Americans to this day believe Donald Trump was a Russian agent? That's a big deal. Let's remember what that brought. That brought Mueller investigation about. That brought the House of Representatives going to Democrats halfway through Donald Trump's term. No more legislative things passed. That's a major deal. That changes the course of a nation. All because we have a media, our media disseminator hates you. Think about that. Think about the Hunter Biden stuff. I mean, really, take this in. Right before an election, the son of the then presidential hopeful Joe Biden, we discover his laptop. The New York Post runs a story on Hunter Biden's laptop. And the things on there, and I'm not even talking about the dirty stuff and the pictures and whatnot. I don't even care about that. The things on there were, it looks like we not only have Hunter Biden horribly corrupt, it looks like Joe is involved. It, it made the Biden family look like a flat-out political crime family. I mean, look, here's a little refresher for you. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing between uh, uh, by Biden, by Joe Biden, or by Hunter Biden. There's no evidence that Joe Biden actually did anything wrong or did anything to sway things in Hunter Biden's favor. He's denied that his son ever lobbied him for anything. There is nothing, Hunter, there is nothing mm -hmm. wrong that Vice President Biden did. President Trump has falsely accused your son of doing something wrong while serving on a company board in Ukraine. I want to point out there's no evidence of wrongdoing by either one of you. There is no evidence that anybody did anything illegal uh, regarding the Bidens uh, and, and Ukraine, and, and Joe Biden was carrying out U.S. policy. President Trump wanted dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden. Trump's claims about wrongdoing here are unsubstantiated. We have looked. No evidence? That was flat-out lying. That... That's not even manipulating the truth. That's not twisting the truth. That's not massaging the truth or whatever word they want to put it. That's flat out lying. We had evidence and not only do we have it, it was digital evidence on a computer and we had a corroborating witness. Remember, Tony Bobolinsky was the business partner of these people and was more than willing to go on record on camera and verify every we had everything we had all the evidence in the world the son of the now president of the united states of america is amazingly corrupt and so is his father and not only corrupt corrupted by the communist chinese who are the enemy of the united states of america it was all right there and they all lied 
And then we found out after the fact, Media Research Center surveyed the Biden voters. 4.6% of them said they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known about this whole thing. By the way, Donald Trump would have won the election. So that's the American media intentionally telling a lie and costing Donald Trump the election and giving it to Joe Biden. What are we supposed to do about all this? Let's, let's not forget, they're the ones who've pushed St. Dr. Fauci on you for two years now. That absurd little idiot tyrant has been assaulting your freedoms for two years now. The media's propped him up like some kind of god, even though he's basically a punchline at this point in time. And yeah, I mean, I can give you these numbers. 53% of voters don't trust the news. Okay. 47% do. 47% of the United States of America, they sit down at night and they turn on NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, and they sit back and they think to themselves the things they're seeing and hearing are true. So let me rewind back to the very beginning of this whole thing. How could that tribe of ours possibly survive if the man in charge of disseminating information to the tribe hates the tribe? It simply won't. I don't know that I have a good answer for how we can fix the media, but I do know that this cannot continue. We cannot survive as, as a nation with this level of misinformation out there. If they're able, if they're completely free to just push out lie after lie after lie after lie without a second thought, we're not going to make it. So I don't know whether we need to change the civil laws in this country. I don't know whether we need to change the criminal laws in this country, but I do know this. We have got to do something because we can't last much longer. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great special for you tonight. We have actually Steve Krakauer coming up next. He's always money. Hang on. Parts of the now infamous dossier on Trump have proven to be true. I know the history of the dossier, but it hasn't been discredited. In fact, it's been the opposite. It's been corroborated. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. This discredited dossier, it which hasn't was been paid discredited. for, paid for. Your intel community has corroborated all of the details in there, the all, meeting. Some of the substantive content of the dossier, we were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which hmm. from other sources in which we had very high confidence. We know that with the FISA application, the relevant parts of Christopher Steele's dossier were corroborated. That if the application included information from the dossier, it would only be after the FBI had, in fact, corroborated information through its own investigation. We also know that as time goes on, more and more parts of the Steele dossier get corroborated. Man, that sounds really bad. It's all been corroborated. Joining me now, Steve Krakauer. He is the editor with FourthWatch.media. Uh, Steve, so I had no idea all that was corroborated. That sounds really bad for Trump. I mean, my goodness, the media said so. It, it's, it's so pathetic when you watch it like that. Look, the, the Steele dossier was written and that it was put out there 
and then it was supposedly corroborated. But when it was clear that it wasn't corroborated, then it became, well, it hasn't exactly been disproven yet. Oh, it has been disproven. Okay. Well, now, even first of all, in 2019, it was essentially disproven. But now, as these indictments start coming and arrests start being made, it's clearly a total scam run by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And only now we're starting to see a little bit of like eking towards corrections and not, not apologies. But hey, we got this story wrong. The Washington Post has started to do that. Not everyone, though. And you look at all those clips, CNN, MSNBC, the worst offenders, and they have said nothing so far when it comes to correcting the record on this horrible miscarriage of, of journalistic integrity. Steve, how am I supposed to... <sighs> How am I supposed to unpack this? Okay, they lied. They lied for a long time. The lies had far-reaching consequences, including losing the, the, the House of Representatives for Republicans. I mean, this was the basis, really, for the impeachment of the President of the United States of America. And now all we get is a whoopsie from a couple media outlets. That's not good enough, Steve. When you destroy lives like that and there are real consequences, whoops, I'm sorry, in a little editor's note on an article is not enough. No, and you've got the Steele dossier and you've got Mueller, you know, the Mueller investigation. Those are those were what everything that Rachel Maddow's, you know, fever dream hinged on when she put her put the, her credibility on the line every night for four years about this Trump administration when it comes to Russia collusion and all of this. It was a total scam as we know now. And you're right. Now what do you do? You know, what's how do we correct the record here? Okay, you can apologize, maybe you can say we got this wrong, you could re-report the story, but that's not going to change the minds of the people who have come to, at some point, you know, decade ago, two, two decades ago, trusted the media. This is a, a forever stain on the institution, and it all comes down to the hatred of Trump and the, and just this, this feeling that they wanted it to be right so much that they were willing to sacrifice any last credibility that they had when it comes to journalism integrity in order to just sort of propagate this story, which we now know is totally false. This is, it's potentially a, a death sentence for, for some of these news organizations when it comes to their credibility. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because look, I, I don't pretend like I can change the Washington Post or CNN, but I do want the American people to stop reading and stop watching them. And that look, that's easy for you, Steve. That's easy for me. But the average American, understandably, gets home, work, kids, school, life's busy. You sit down for five minutes at the end of the day and turn on the TV, trying to catch up on the news. How, how can you get through to that person and say everything you're seeing right now is a lie? I think that the rise of independent media has, has made a huge difference. You know, places like The First, places like Joe Rogan, who have, you know, just a tremendous amount of not just an increase in visibility, but an increase in credibility. You know, we, we've saw this, these worlds collide with Joe Rogan versus Dr. Sanjay Gupta only a few weeks ago, and they did it on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it was a great three, three and a half hour conversation, which I thought came away with, okay, you know, Joe Rogan won some, maybe Sanjay Gupta got a point in here and there, and then what happened after is Sanjay Gupta ran to CNN and lied about that exchange, lied about what Joe Rogan had said, and, and it's, it's so painfully obvious now. So look, I would prefer that CNN, that NBC News, that ABC News had some credibility. So as you say, it would be good if someone could just sit on the couch and watch five minutes and get the news. But that's clearly not happening. And I actually do think that COVID is is the game changer. I, I think the Steele dossier is a little complicated. You have to know a little bit of what's going on in order to sort of see exactly how really insidious this was. COVID is very clear. 
The media got it wrong. They lied over and over again, and they're still lying about it. And it's affecting people's lives on an everyday basis. They're seeing that. I think that changes people's viewing habits, changes people's uh, perception of the media forever. So I guess maybe I'm trying to put rose-colored glasses on here, but things are getting better as far as the, the distrust in the media rising. It's just happening a little slower than you or I would prefer. Yeah, I, I think that there's distrust that's rising, and, and we see what's happening on Substack. We see what's happening with podcasts, with streaming. People have so many choices now when it comes to where they can get their news and their information. It's actually one of the reasons that I'm, I fight for places like Facebook and Twitter to have more reign to allow things to be on their platforms. Now, it, it, it's incumbent on them to not give into the, what I would say is political and media mob that's after them, after Facebook to try to crack down on quote unquote misinformation and disinformation. They need to hold strong because this is the way people get their news back. This is the way people get to their information back. This is how people can go and start to really start to, to, to connect with other people and start to see things that, that, are, that are true. And it, it, it happens on these social media platforms and it happens with the way people can can you know connect with others and not be relying on legacy media and establishment media anymore so you think social media is helping or hurting the spread of these outright lies i think you could make an argument either way you can make an argument either way but i would say that that net net Social media gives people a voice, and, and it, it gives people a voice that they never had before. 10, 15 years ago, you could never have the rise of individuals on social media platforms that can accrue a sort of a base that you don't have giant media organizations based in D.C. or in New York or tech companies in San Francisco or in, or in Hollywood and L.A. You can do things now with social media that you couldn't before. Now, what I worry about is social media companies getting scared that they're going to get cracked down upon by po politicians who, who are going to start to, to blame them for, quote unquote, spreading misinformation. That's what I, I think we have to really worry about. But it, the, the goal is that these companies can continue to give people the voice that they never had before. And maybe it's not going to be on Facebook and Twitter. We've seen that, that sometimes that these organizations crack down, they start to ban people. Those people have to go to Getter and to other organizations that, that to get their voice out there. Rumble, lots of others you know, that are sort of alternatives when it comes to social media. But social media is the key. That's the engine to bypass the gatekeepers that once were there in the, media, in the mainstream media. Steve, what's Fourth Watch for people who don't know? Yeah, Fourth Watch is a is a media newsletter that I have to say I started because I loved the media. I used to work at CNN. I wanted to be better, but it has become so terrible, frankly, and so unaccountable to the average person, so far detached in their elite bubble that they need to be called out. And most people don't call them out. I'm not an overly political person one way or the other, but I can see that the writing is on the wall. The media is self-destructing in the Trump era and beyond. And I use Fourth Watch, fourthwatch.media to call them out, to call them to account, and to, to try to get the story right. Steve, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Jesse, anytime. Thanks. All right. Our good buddy Curtis Hauk joins us next.
Joining me now, my friend Curtis Houck. He is, of course, with the Media Research Center. They do the best stuff calling out all the scum out there. Curtis, you're the managing editor at the Media Research Center, so I'm sure you have received, I mean, I can't even imagine what the biggest lie you've heard is, because you guys go through this stuff for a living and you call out the media for a living. The coverage of what took place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I won't say it's the worst I've ever seen because I, I don't want to be accused of hyperbole, but man, it's got to be top five. We've got everything in the story, Jesse. This trial had a lack of ignorance when it comes to guns, a basic understanding of how the criminal justice system works, an inability to understand humor and sarcasm. I mean, this this was this case was the trifecta or more than that it just had everything in it in terms of the media's blind spots here highlighted by of course the angle of race all trial you kept hearing about how this was an example of how the criminal justice system was racist and black people were being trampled on and this was all terrible and unfair joy reed talking about white person tears but <laughs> none of the people involved were black uh but anyway yeah no it, it has been very odd here's a little flashback for those who've forgotten kenosha shooter kyle rittenhouse he murdered two people by the way rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter he's a 17 year old kid he shouldn't have had a gun he crossed state lines to supposedly protect property no he was going out to shoot people kyle rittenhouse the 17 year old vigilante kyle rittenhouse the vigilante kyle rittenhouse the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, a guy who's deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. Curtis, uh, setting aside all the very dumb people in that video, <laughs> why do you think the American media is so hell-bent on fighting for two dead piece-of-crap communists who were looting and burning a city and so adamant that the guy who tried to stop them is the bad guy? Isn't that bizarre? Uh, well, I don't necessarily think so, Jesse, because they're defending their own. As you point out, these people are communists, so communists defending communists. We're such in such a polarized world, specifically with the left, where anyone who isn't on their side is a domestic terrorist. And, you know, worse yet, really isn't their subhuman human beings who should be treated like members of al-Qaeda or ISIS by our intelligence community. We're dealing with people like Nicole Wallace and, you know, that John Heilman clip was from her show and Jason Johnson as well, where they don't really see people on the other side as human beings, so they automatically assume that because Kyle Rittenhouse is not one of them, he must be a really bad guy. And we have the stupidity of the liberal media in this case where they reminded us that they actually think they themselves in the media are conservative, that they have a conservative bias. Um, that montage you just played definitely shows that they are anything but conservative. Nick Sandman wrote a piece on the 16th of this month writing about how, yeah, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse should follow his lead. It's going to be tough and your life's going to be consumed by this. 
But if you think it's worth it, Kyle, you should absolutely go for it. And we, of course, happen to agree with that, uh, that he should sue specifically those people in that video and maybe even the president of the United States to uh, the moon and back. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of Joy Ann Reed, I look, Joy Ann Reed doesn't make me as mad as she makes other people for the same reason my dog doesn't make me mad. Of course he's an idiot. Joy Ann Reed is. So this is this is her in case anyone would like to see. To this Kyle Rittenhouse trial, it reminded a lot of people of something, something, I just can't remember what it was. Oh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, in which Brett Kavanaugh, who had been accused by a high school friend of committing sexual abuse of her, cried his way through the hearings to make him a permanent member and associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. And his tears turned out to be more powerful than the tears of Christine Blasey Ford, which were the tears of an alleged victim. But in America, there's a thing about both white vigilantism and white tears, particularly male white tears. Really white tears in general, because that's what Karens are, right? They Karen out, and then as soon as they get caught, it's like, <laughs> bring waterworks. White men can get away with that, too. Curtis, I, I really want to... I, I mean this. I'm not trying to be mean at all. I really genuinely mean this. Do you think Joy Ann Reed knows she's dumb and lucky to be on TV? Or do you think she genuinely thinks she's intelligent? I, re I really genuinely mean that. Do you think she looks in the mirror and says, man, I am an idiot. I can't believe I get paid to talk on television. I actually think, while she is dumb... I think she does look at herself in the mirror and is like, damn, I am one smart cookie. Like, look at me. I'm incredibly attractive. Like, I'm going to wear my hair 50 different ways. Sometimes wear T-shirts on the show, wear, like, leather jackets that are just cringeworthy. It's because, Jesse, she knows that no matter what she says, she's never going to get fired. Okay? There's no way MSNBC would fire a black woman in the evening hours of a show, okay, for poor ratings or for conduct. So she knows that her life is basically one giant, you know, YOLO sign. So she's just going to go out there and say whatever racist crap that's on her mind. It's really evil what she's saying here. I thought, you know, the left wants men to be more feminine and show more tears and emotion so here's someone, here's two people, Brett Kavanaugh and Kyle Rittenhouse, who cried when they were accused of utter falsehoods, and suddenly it's not cool and it's fake and it's not true. I'm trying to understand what view these people want to have of men here. It's very difficult to keep up. Curtis, is the media more dangerous now than it's ever been or less dangerous? I think they're more dangerous because not only do they have the dehumanizing and level of inciting of incitement that they engage in on a daily basis, I would also say that they're just completely clueless. They also engage in division, not just on Kyle Rittenhouse, but you look at inflation and people like Stephanie Rule saying, oh, you can afford everything just fine. It's all in your head. Uh, you know, you have the White House being backed up by the news media saying that all of this injection of money is going to work out great and everyone else just 
doesn't know what they're talking about or they want people to starve or something like that or they want people to be overrun by climate change and homes to be destroyed. So you combine those two things, ignorance on basic policy issues and then also an inability to even acknowledge people who disagree with them as human beings. And it's a really poisonous combination here. And and it's also poisonous because, as you said, you have a combination of dumb people like Joy Reid, genuinely dumb people, and people like Nicole Oss, who I think are dumb, but know exactly what they're doing. She's been a longtime political operative. And you have people that empty their thesauruses like Steve Schmidt, who just spill mm-hmm. words out mm-hmm. for five minutes ad nauseum when he's on a panel with six other, seven other people. And you just takes crazy people listening at home to think, oh, these people, my next door neighbor, you know, my spouse, my like kid or whatever that votes Republican or is a conservative, they're dangerous. You know, if I don't stop them and don't report them, who knows what they're going to do to me? It's uh, what yeah. kind of world are we living in? A weird one. Curtis Howe, Curry. thank you so much, my brother, as always. <laughs> Anytime, Jesse. All right. We got Sean Davis with the Federalist joining us next. Hang on. I think you also have to have some new ground rules for the media. I think they have to stop treating Republicans like normal politicians. They're not normal politicians. This is not normal conduct. Um, this is a party that spends its entire time cooking up these ridiculous cultural memes, um, fanning violence, um, and uh, coming up with uh, outright lies. Cultural memes? Treating Republicans differently? <laughs> Joining me now, my friend, co-founder of The Federalist, Sean Davis. Sean, man, that that almost sounds like communism. Oh, she's a special lady, isn't she? <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, look, Sean, honestly, I, I, I've asked this question publicly on social media, and I want to ask you, when it comes to people like Jennifer Rubin, and I'm going to be as nice as humanly possible, Do you think Jennifer Rubin understands she's not somebody in possession of any level of talent or or wit whatsoever? Her her very existence professionally is only owed to the fact she is a complete regime propagandist at all times. Do you think she knows that? I know you know that, and I know that. Do you think she knows? Oh, no, she doesn't have a clue. In in fact, uh, I think she's basically (laughs) the Democrat Party's beard. They, they take her along out to parties and they parade around with her uh, to give the impression that, oh, no, no, we, we know what conservatives think. We hang out with Republicans. Uh, she's nothing but just a bought and paid for toady. And, and the thing that I'm thankful for today is that she's finally given up the ruse that she's a conservative or a Republican. Recall that she had the only uh, position, the only column at the Washington Post for people on the right. They called it, I think, the right turn. And she was there to represent the right-wing point of view. She, she's never been conservative. And I'm thankful, very thankful that she no longer even pretends to be a Republican because it strips away all the pretense. She's nothing but a hack. Okay, let's address January 6th briefly here. Uh, uh, here was the media's reaction to Tucker Carlson doing a documentary about it. Tucker Carlson has created a terrorist 
recruitment video. Fox TV branching into fantasy programming. A new series from Tucker Carlson traffics and conspiracy theories surrounding the insurrection on January 6th. Tucker Carlson attempting to rewrite history around the January 6th insurrection. Tucker Carlson makes a tribute video to the terrorists. Tucker Carlson is hitting a new low, completely rewriting the history of the Capitol insurrection in a way that defies belief. Tuckums previewed a documentary that goes beyond the usual Daughters of the Confederacy rewrite of the January 6th insurrection to shameless lying and conspiracy mongering. Tucker Carlson is leaning way in to uh, disinformation regarding January 6th. And it's kind of terrifying because uh, what he's putting out there is just going to lead to more violence. Sean, here's my question. I understand you're always going to look at montages like that and roll your eyes and laugh, as am I. And we know everything these people say is a lie, and we know why they tell the lies. But in defense of the normal person who doesn't consume politics the way you or I do, what chance do they have? What is the solution? Now, I'm as free press as free press gets, but Sean, how can a nation survive with this level of misinformation constantly pushed on them? It's killing us. It absolutely is. I mean, they really are a, a fifth column. I remember when, when Donald Trump originally called them the enemy of the people several years ago. I thought, ah, eh, maybe that's a bit much. They're terrible and they're liars. But any of the enemy of the people, I don't know about that. And and now I think he was completely correct. They they are absolutely the enemy. They are propagandists and liars. They have no interest in the truth. They have no interest in the fact. They're basically Pravda, which was the, the Soviet uh, propaganda organ with, with less self-awareness. At least Pravda knew what it was doing. They knew they were nothing but a bunch of Soviet uh, bootlickers pushing the party line. These clowns actually pretend as if they're the brave truth tellers, that they're the firefighters rushing into the fire uh, when they're going after stories. Uh, it's a huge problem that they're all a bunch of disgraced uh, corrupt liars. But the good news is outlets like this one, outlets like the Federalist, uh, we're making a dent, which is why these people are so hell-bent on shutting all of us down, on getting Facebook to censor us, on getting Twitter to ban us. They actually know how powerful it is to have alternative media out there and information out there that they don't want. And, and the fact that they try so hard to shut people like us down, I think, is a testament to the uh, uh, influence that we have and the ability we have to actually get the truth out there. Sean, I, I'm worried I already know the answer to this question before I ask it, but do you think there will ever come a moment where these people look around, even if it's just because of ratings, look at television ratings or, or the clicks they get or whatever the case may be, and see how they're all in free fall and they take a moment and self-assess? I mean, we've all had that moment. You get out of shape or something like that. You get out of breath walking up the stairs and you say, okay, I, I got to make some adjustments here. Do you think that moment ever comes for these people, ever? No, never. Because if it were going to come, it would have come after 2016 when they so botched that election. Uh, uh, somebody with a little bit of self-awareness would have said, you know what, I really got this wrong. What do I need to do to make sure I don't get it wrong anymore? And they didn't do that. They said, hey, uh, we didn't get it wrong enough. We should have been harder core. We should have been more anti-conservative uh, because then this thing never would have happened. They, they went the exact opposite direction that an honest, good faith person would have gone in if they were wanting to correct their errors. They are only interested in power and they will not stop until they have all of it. 
They aren't, and what I don't know what to do is what to do about them, Sean. Because when you talk about, I mean, forget about the Hunter Biden being the reason Joe Biden got elected, them covering that up, Steele dossier, the St. George Floyd riots, coronavirus, I mean, more things that we would even have time to listen to on the show. What they're doing has real tangible disaster attached to it. They cost people's lives. They cost the nation. How are we on the right supposed to deal with these people? Well, that's a great question. I, th- I think the best way to do it is to acknowledge and accept what they are. Th- these are not good faith arbiters. They're not reporters because they're not actually reporting anything. They're not interested in facts and they're not interested in the truth. They're, they're corrupt propagandists who exist to push the party line uh, of the left-wing regime that controls nearly every, ma- every major institution now. And once you understand that reality, I think everything becomes pretty simple and pretty clear. Uh, that they have to be opposed and they have to be crushed. The problem is we have so many people, quote unquote, on our side in the media who want to pretend like, oh, no, 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 they're just fine. They're just a little misguided. You know, I'm the one who has the power and the ability to to bring them to the to the right side away from the dark side. And that's just nonsense. The, the first thing we have to do is acknowledge who they are and then defeat them. Do you think the people on our side, as you put it, who believe that, do you think they're stupid or gutless? Yes. <laughs> Such up for that one. Yeah, yeah I, I've, I've always tried to unpack that part of it. If you're still somebody who considers yourself on the right and you look at these people, lie after lie after lie, doing real damage after real damage after real damage, and you sit back and say to yourself, well, they're just a little misguided. I, I don't know what you are, dumb or cowardly, but I don't know if it matters. You're useless. Exactly. You stole the word right out of, out of my mouth. I was going to say you're utterly useless and you're not worth paying attention to. Um, and it's why that uh, particular strain of media has been so marginalized and why they're so desperate for the favor of the left. They have no audience on the right. No one cares what they think because they're a bunch of morons. And so the last thing they have to do is cling to the left to help give them some sort of legitimacy. All right, Sean, why'd you start the Federalist, by the way? It's a great question. It, it needed to exist. Uh, when it uh, when we first started it, we looked at the universe out there and we said, there's a bunch of publications out there that seem to exist to tell uh, the rest of the country what Washington wants it to hear. And we decided, you know what, we need something out there that's going to tell Washington what the rest of the country decides it needs to hear. So it, it's why we're not based in Washington. It, it's why so many of our writers Uh, are people with real jobs every day that go out and work with their hands and make things and do things that are useful, um, that write articles for us on their own time with their own normal perspectives. Uh, We were concerned, you know, eight years ago when we started that that didn't exist. I I wish it had, but it didn't. And so we decided, well, we'll create it from scratch. Uh, and, And I think so far we've done a good job of representing the rest of the country to Washington as opposed to trying to shove down America's throats, whatever it is Washington wants them to swallow. Sean Davis, everybody. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, sir. All right. My final thoughts. Next. We need a solution. 
We need a solution for the media in this country. We do. We, we can't continue on like this. And look, hate to sound self-serving, maybe you're watching the solution. The first. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to work for a network that actually is interested in the truth and pushing that out there. Maybe the solution is networks like this one who aren't going to be censored. We aren't going to cover up things that make people uncomfortable. We're going to go out there and we're going to voice it. By the way, you can still become a supporter of The First. If you go to thefirsttv.com slash support, that makes you kind of an insider with exclusive content and whatnot. But in all seriousness, maybe that's what can save us. Maybe it's the only thing that can save us. But we need something right now. We need something badly. We can't continue like this. All right. We'll do it again.